Lucky for us, we are have the privilege to be joined by one of New Zealand's political commentary experts, formerly of Otago University, Dr. Bryce Edwards. How are you today, Bryce? Abe, I'm great. Uh, things have calmed down a wee bit since last week when we last talked. That's right. Things were chaotic, so I'm taking a bit of a breather and trying to reassess the situation in, in politics. You're not having to refresh your browser every 50 seconds uh, and get all those exactly. tabs open. Was crazy last week. M- must yeah, be nice to have a break. Weeks in politics really were the busiest year for probably many years, maybe decades. <laughs> that you've seen in your career? I mean, was yeah, it the most absolutely. hectic? Yep. Yep. Now, leaders go in yeah. the space of sort of 10 days. Yeah, that's the right. Labour leader and the Green co-leader was pretty astonishing, yeah. Well, that brings me to the first topic I wanted to discuss, and that is the Greens uh, saga. It seems like maybe they have successfully cauterized the wound. I mean, it hasn't really been being talked about, and um, Materia's resignation seemed to um, put a lid on it. Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting this. Um, I'm just trying to find another metaphor for um, the fact that they have more lost a limb than just a wound. <laughs> um, and so, yes, the, the, losing the limb has maybe, you know, meant they haven't lost their head. But um, no, I think they're still pretty damaged. And uh, I was talking to a Green Party insider yesterday, and yeah, they he admitted that inside the Greens they're still very worried about that um, that 5% threshold because they realise they have dropped significantly and they're hoping they're still going to you know, get somewhere between 7 and 10% of the vote. But there are some poll, internal polls supposedly out there putting uh, Labour near 5% at the moment, which is you know, pretty shocking for the Greens. So there is still a chance that they might be wiped out at this coming election. I think it's unlikely, but you know, it's certainly not beyond... Uh, the realm of possibilities. And the problem is that once that, if that narrative starts, if people start worrying about the Greens dropping below 5%, some of the more soft vote won't vote for them because they'll think, oh, well, I'd better vote for the Labour Party because the Greens might not be there anyhow. Yeah, well, um, I think there's an interesting interplay, I guess. And, of course, yeah, 7 is uncomfortably close to 5. And, of yeah. course, there's a huge spread out in between these media polls. But everybody but us seems to have access to these uh, mythical internal polls that show oh, yeah. all sorts of... crazy. Do, do you get access to any of that, oh, or do you have that leaked no, to you? No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, there's just always rumors and things that... Sometimes they're believable, sometimes they're not. I don't know. You would expect that the Greens, yeah, have steadied the ship. Um, they'll retain... James Shaw said steady the ship about 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, and I think, they, yes, they'll be happy to be out of the news now. And James Shaw, I think, has done a fairly good job of... Uh, you know, looking like he's handling the situation. Uh, he, he, I think he did two particularly good things recently that will come across well with the public. They changed the, the slogan of the party. Remember, it yep. was great together. And now and he came out and said, well, actually, we don't really feel like we're absolutely great at the moment and we're not really together. <laughs> yeah. So we have to get rid of that slogan. And I thought that, you know, that came across really well as if, because we're not used to politicians being quite authentic and real and telling it like it is and uh, and telling us how bad things are in their own party. We're used to them, you know, spinning the situation and trying to be, you know, pretend that things aren't so bad. So, and also, what else did he say? Um, 
when there was a lot of criticism of the media for what happened with Nateria too, right? He came out and said, oh no, we're not blaming the media. Uh, the media are just doing their job. And again, he looked, whether he believed that or not, um, he, he looked like he was being fair-minded and reasonable. And voters also like that. So yeah, yeah, I, I thought, think he's doing well. I thought that was very courageous of him because, of course... Um, the the party members are are not uh, being so circumspect when it comes to the media, and of course, Price, uh, when they're blaming the media, they're talking about you. Uh, I think, um, but yeah, I think it it makes a lot of sense that he said, you know, this is our own fault. We have to clean up our own mess. I mean, any other anything else just looks a little sanctimonious. I'm I'm interested exactly. in what you think the the threats to the Greens are because some of these rumored internal polls. Um, I also heard uh, had the Opportunities Party getting up around 4% uh, from the national internals. And when you were talking about that narrative of, you know, are they definitely going to make it or definitely not, it seems like there's a uh, potential threat of, you know, for the Opportunities Party, it was people thinking they're not going to make it. For the Greens, you know, everyone knows they are going to make it. Now, if that gets too close where people think that the Opportunities Party is going to make it and the Greens might not, that really changes the dynamic between the two. And there's been a little friction there. Absolutely. That, that's entirely true. And it's, it's what people perceive as being possible that really affects um, how, how they vote. So perceptions are important. And there's entirely a scenario whereby tops do start getting a bit more uh, momentum and um, end up being in Parliament and the Greens don't. I, I think that's an unlikely scenario, but it certainly uh, um, would be an incredible scenario where this alternative Green Party, if you like, um, uh, manages to survive and the mainstream or the normal normal Green Party, the established one, fail. Um, but yeah, people talk a lot about the bandwagon effect in political science because uh, voters, they are affected by these opinion polls and when they see that a party's going up or down they do tend to jump on and off the bandwagon and so top I think, if, uh, yeah we are hearing that they're going, it does feel like they're going up in the polls possibly too late for the election but who knows it might be perfectly timed if they start looking like they're getting 4% um, people will see them as, as winners rather than losers and will be more inclined to support them. Well, there's certainly a lot of strange things happening, so uh, you never know. Oh, yeah. That brings That's me to right. my next topic, which is uh, Jacinda Mania um, seems to have died down a little bit. The, the honeymoon period, I, I would say, is over. She's getting some hard questions on the actual policy detail, uh, which she didn't have to worry about when everybody was sort of fawning over her new election yeah. to leadership. And and it's the the shine is starting to wear off, and and that kind of brings us into the third topic, which is this row with the Australian government. Yes, I'm not so sure as you are about the mania being over. I think it's still out there, but yes, there's not quite the same sort of uh, headlines and um, an overt version of just the mania. But I think we're still in some sort of Cinderella, whereby she <laughs> is. Uh, she's still in that honeymoon but you're right, she's been tested lately and uh, with this Australian citizenship drama which maybe we'll talk about soon in more detail uh, she you know, kind of got some bad news really, because Labour were implicated in that, Chris Hipkins was implicated and people were blaming him and he was being told off but 
in my view, Jacinda Ardern, sorry, Jacinda Ardern, totally turned that round and made it into a positive. So she handled it very well in terms of, you know, her political management. She came out and she reacted very strongly to the Australian government, who had criticised Labour, and she uh, said that the Australian government were making false claims. She went and she said she went and saw the Australian High Commissioner here in uh, Wellington and registered her disappointment with them. And so that was her standing strong. But at the same time, she told off Chris Hipkins, her own Labour MP, and put him in his place. So I think that had an appearance, at least, of a very strong leader, a very Helen Clark-like leader, in fact. Um, and it always goes well with New Zealanders, I think, when New Zealand politicians stand up to Australia. Yeah, that's so right. She was a winner, I think, from this whole episode. Not a huge political risk to uh, stand up to no. Australia. And I guess let's talk a little bit about the citizenship row. I mean, it's yeah. funny, I've lived in New Zealand for 15 years, and I've heard a lot about Australians, but I've never actually been there. But... um so so it's hard for me to have a lot of context, but based on what I'm hearing in the media, it sounds like being a New Zealander uh, is the lowest of the low in Australia. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's, it's, for us New Zealanders, it's, uh, it feels like a bit of a slap in the face. Uh, these Australian politicians are so unhappy about finding out that they are actually New Zealand citizens. Uh, um, so, of course, the situation comes from this, part of the Australian Constitution that says you can't be elected to uh, the federal uh, parliament if you are a citizen of any other country. You can only be a citizen of Australia and so it's kind of an arcane sort of old rule that kind of you know, it's kind of saying your loyalties have to be completely with us and if, it's, if you're not entirely loyal to us you can't be part of um, the political system. So, and of course then New Zealand has had these arcane rules that if you're for any... I'm not sure exactly how it works, Abe, but um, in this case of Barnaby Joyce, his father was born in Dunedin, and although the politician himself, Barnaby Joyce, was born in Australia, has always lived in Australia, has never known that he had a New Zealand citizenship, by the fact that his father was born here, he automatically gets it. And so this has been a problem for quite a few uh, Australian politicians that they've suddenly discovered they have either New Zealand or British or some other citizenship and they've had to leave politics, resign from their parliaments. And so, you know, over the last week it was discovered that Barnaby Joyce, who's the Deputy Prime Minister of Australia, is actually a New Zealander. And he didn't know this either. Um, it came about through uh, some people digging dirt, essentially, both some journalists digging dirt some Australian journalists and asking the New Zealand government for information about this, but also Labor MP Chris Hipkins. So he put in a, uh, a written question to the Minister of Internal Affairs, Peter Dunn, asking for advice, information about whether Australians would have the New Zealand citizenship if their father was born here. And apparently he did that after talking to uh, an Australian Labor Party staff member who wanted him to ask something like this, it seems. So, um, you know, that was seen as interfering in Australian politics. No. Um, so, and that's why Chris Hipkins has been in trouble. Now, this is a little bit of a tit-for-tat, isn't it? I mean, I again, I pay very little attention to Australia, but um, 
I, I heard there was a guy who I think was more on the left who was sort of forced out because of a similar situation a couple oh, of weeks ago. Yeah. So, um, so it's happened to all the political parties, essentially. Uh, but there's been Green Party senators that have had to leave the Senate. Um, after finding out they really are New Zealanders, so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a joke in some senses. It's um, and there's lots of jokes being made about New Zealanders <laughs> and you know sheep jokes and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, well, I hope you're collecting political cartoons as you usually do. Yeah, there's lots of uh, <laughs> uh, jokes being spread at our expense, really, um, about it. But so it's not a really significant issue in my view. But this Dirty Tricks was kind of payback because uh, the left's lost some power due to this paradigm yeah. and they're saying, well, you know, we're not going to fight with one hand behind our back? Is that kind That's of right. the... So all political parties are trying to catch out other parties that might have New Zealanders involved in them. Uh, and Do these politicians who have New Zealand connections get sent straight to Christmas Island? That probably <laughs> would be appropriate, wouldn't isn't it? I mean... Course, and running in parallel to this is, yeah, those controversies about how uh, New Zealanders living in Australia are treated with, you know, having some basic human rights taken away from them and not being treated as proper, you know, residents of Australia. Um, so, yes, that would be, uh, it would seem apt if these Australian politicians were sent to Christmas Island. That's right. But, I mean, this whole scandal is a bit pathetic, really. It's, it's not really one of any great principle or ideology so although we've got lots of politicians both here and overseas that are kind of making a lot of it you know that the Australian government's been the worst you know they've been complaining about um, this foreign power i.e. New Zealand um, <laughs> interfering imperialist power we are <laughs> Yeah, and that's obviously ludicrous, and it actually sounds quite Trump-like, in my view. It's the Australian government you know, getting a, a bad case of the Trumps, where they start you know, talking about this conspiracy against them and um, you know, complaining loudly about what victims they are. It's all a bit crazy. And over here, we've also had some politicians that are you know, exaggerating the importance of the scandal as well, and really it's a... A storm, of the, a storm in the teacup. So, do you have any sense? I mean, I know you're a New Zealand political commentator, not an Australian political commentator. But what is the actual threat to the Turnbull government? I mean, I'm getting the yeah. impression that all these previous uh, people that were forced to stand down, um, you know, no big deal. But now that it's the deputy prime minister, they're thinking, oh, maybe we should uh, make exceptions to this rule. I think you've explained it quite well with that. Um, so, of course, Barnaby Joyce is uh, a member of the Nationals, so they're in the coalition with the Liberal Party, so they're part of the government, and they only have a one-seat majority in the Parliament. So, in theory, he should be stepping down and resigning from Parliament if he did the same thing that these other politicians have done in the Senate, but he's not, because that would bring the government down. Um, instead, the government have referred the matter to the courts uh, and said, can you tell us what we should do? And this will take a few weeks, I think. Um, and they're saying to the courts, essentially, he didn't mean to be a New Zealand citizen, <laughs> and he's renounced his citizenship straight away. Um, so you have to take into account his intent, which is all, all, all been good. We don't really think he should have to resign. Um, and, yeah, it's very unclear. If, if, you, if they took the law or the Constitution, you know, read it at it, you know, uh, in a black and white sense, you know, read it to its letter, then yes, he has to go. 
but they're kind of trying to make an argument that, well, let's be let's be sensible here. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, th- there's a lot of constitutional debate about it in Australia. And it sounds like a blatant double standard, but there is this little slight detail of Senate versus their yeah. other... I mean, I guess the senators get replaced automatically, um, whatever they call their other house. Um, yeah. There has to be a by-election, and that complicates things. That's right. But like I say, you know, there's not any big issues of principle or ideology here. It is all quite arcane and silly. So it could have a big impact on the on Australian politics. But, you know, in some ways it's a very empty scandal. It just doesn't, you know, no one's done anything wrong. No one has, uh, there's no dishonesty involved here. There's no principles involved here or ideology. So Nothing juicy. Just uh, Barnaby Joyce trying to wash the New Zealand dirtiness off of him. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, well, thanks a lot for joining us, Bryce. Um, It's Yeah, it seems mundane compared to last week, but um, I think for both of our sakes, let's just hope that it doesn't get as crazy as it did before. But we've still got a few uh, weeks to go, five weeks to go, and um, you'll be joining us every week, and we'll uh, digest what, what has or hasn't happened. Exactly. Hey, thanks, Abe. Thanks a lot, Bryce. That was Dr. Bryce Edwards, New Zealand political commentator extraordinaire. You are on 91FM.